Hey friends, it's Fred Greenhalgh, producer here at Realm. A new episode of Ominous Thrill is ready for your ears. It's Advice After Dark. Late night radio host Belladonna delivers extreme advice to the delighted horror of her audience until a creepy listener forces her to confront the brutal consequences of her show. Here's a preview. Welcome to my live stream, Bella. Say hello to everyone. What do you want? Click the link. Watch along. I'm not clicking links from psychos. You put that trash on the radio every night and I'm the psycho. You sound like you need help. I'm not one of your fake callers. My show is very, very real. Do you want to know what it's called? No, I don't. It's called Belladonna Gets What's Coming. Starring you. What? It's really starring me, but it's all about you. And you'd be surprised how many people want to watch you get what's coming. I called the police. They'll be here any minute. Yeah, well, we should be done before they get here. Find Ominous Thrill out now, everywhere you listen. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Cryptid Countdown with Joshua. Joshua, thanks so much for hosting another one of these episodes. Yep, and as always, I'm, I'm glad to be here, glad to be talking to these great creators and, and people in the paranormal space. Yeah, and this episode, we have a real one-of-one. One. It's Stephanie Strange, or Stephanie underscore Strange, if you're trying to find her on social media. <laughs> Definitely check out her TikTok and Instagram. She's been really kind enough to come on Real Hauntings for a while now. She's introduced us to a lot of great other creators, so I definitely wanted to get her on. Um, Stephanie, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And Joshua, what are we talking about tonight? Um, well, it was inevitable. Uh, you can't talk about cryptids if you don't talk about the the infamous chupacabra. So uh, number six is all about chupacabra. It's actually one of my favorites to talk about just from a theoretical standpoint. So um, this should be a fun episode. Absolutely. And Stephanie, I'm curious, how do you feel about cryptids? Is that something that you're interested in? You kind of keep an eye on like a lot of us. Did you grow up hearing about them as kids or where do you fall on that? I think as just being a Latina, naturally, there's so many cryptid folklore tales and especially the Chupacabra, I think is definitely one that has really been sensationalized and over talked about. So, I mean, I know my grandfather, he talked about a cryptid when he was a kid. Um, and then later on, I, I dived into it and I found out that a lot of people in Brazil see it. I don't remember the name. It's like Chua, Chua Chirpira or something like that. Mm. It's like the, with the feet, the feet are like backwards or something oh. like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen pictures yeah. of that one. Yeah. Chirpira. There we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was interesting because my wife was actually, we were, I was kind of talking the lore through with her as I was freshening up on it today. And she was like, oh, I thought it originated in Brazil. And I had actually not heard that part of the lore. So I, I learned that tonight 
Um, but I was really surprised, spoiler alert, to find out that so much of it comes from Puerto Rico. I literally had no idea yep. that the lore is so strong there. So, Joshua, I'll turn it over to you. Where where uh, where are we headed in Chubacabra Town tonight? Um, well, I mean, really, we're heading all over. Uh, but I guess the prim primary spots, of course, are Puerto Rico, but also um, places like Texas and Mexico. It, it just it's interesting to see how lore that starts in puerto rico just kind of spanned across the country um as far as far up as like the northern united states all the way down to like the southern americas i mean it's, it's primarily like in the southwestern portion but um it's like I, even if there aren't sightings in other places it's still so heavily talked about mm. uh across the board and I, that's what i find so fascinating about uh the chupacabra and also that there's like multiple variations that everybody just associates with one cryptid yeah, that, that I found that really interesting too. That there's some competing uh, theories as to what it looks like, and and at least from what I could tell, the two big ones are like this kind of lizard, alien-like creature, and then kind of more of a a dog, feral kind of creature. Is that what you were seeing too? Yeah, um, and it you know it kind of reminds me of Bigfoot in that regard, um, where. Uh, if a, a big animal gets the mange, like it's it's easy to associate that with like a, a brand new animal. But on the flip side, there's just been so many reported sightings that it's like, is it uh, very similar to what Stephanie, like you said, is it sensationalized or is there, you know, something else going on or is there something like coming in, blending in and then getting out and then everybody associates, it associates the whole as that. Um, so it's a, it's a really cool, it's really cool. Cryptid. Yeah. The interesting thing about this crypto too is that it there's so many theories and and, and like some people would argue that it's kind of like picked and pulled from different various different types of cryptids because on one hand people are thinking that it could be related to like aliens and then on the other hand it's definitely its own entity kind of like bigfoot like you were saying so it's like it's interesting how this cryptid in itself goes back and forth on so many things but i don't want to like get too far ahead i'll just wait for you to, <laughs> to lead into that <laughs> well i was i thought it was super cool that the name uh was coined by a comedian in puerto rico and that it translates to goat sucker um I, i'm not saying it's cool that it translates to goat sucker i just thought it was fun that a comedian <laughs> named it and it's also kind of fun that it translates to goat sucker of course meaning that the cryptid literally sucks the blood out of the animal and and which is kind of ironic because the last episode so we did vampires so this is kind of like other than the vampire bat kind of like the vampire of the animal community yes i'm yeah. glad that you said that because not many people like put that connection together mm -hmm. and it is as a type of vampire too it falls into so many different categories yeah and it, I, I find that fascinating because it's, it's it's really like the chupacabra is really one of one despite being so many different variations there's no other cryptid like it um it's it's the only one where you don't really hear about like it attacking people but more so just kind of sticking to the the animalistic tendencies of of cryptids and i, I find that fascinating too yeah it's it's one of the more fun ones i guess just because even though it itself like the lore doesn't date back to like the 1800s or anything but it is one that finds itself pushed into pop culture a lot you know and i also feel like even when and i guess they're still around but it, for whatever reason i remember them a lot at the supermarket as a kid seeing like those tabloid magazines you know that would have like <laughs> elvis seen here yeah. this that and then it'd be like chubacabra you know whatever <laughs> and, and for whatever reason maybe it's because the one I usually saw depicted 
was the more dog version or coyote almost kind of um, creature that that felt more relatable as a kid. Cause obviously uh, I knew what dogs were. I grew up in an area that did have coyotes. So I, I don't know if that's why it always stuck with me. Like, Oh my gosh, there's this animal that's sucking blood out of it. And not only blood, but organs. I don't know about you guys, but that really creeped me out even more than the blood. Yeah, it, it it was just like, in general, the fact that something so small can be so sinister and powerful. Mm -hmm. I think that's what really creeped me out, too. And violent and violent, too, to add to that. And, uh, you know, and like and I, I grew up in the country. So, like, I, I have a pretty good knowledge of like just kind of how coyotes and things interact with other animals. And just the the amount of uh, the amount of livestock at one time that it seemed like it would it would attack. Um also made me not feel like it was a, a dog with with mange at, at points or some type of canid with with mange just because you know like with the puerto rico story it's like hundreds of livestock mm -hmm. uh had the same impression but if a dog with mange is is out here doing this it's not for, for one it's not strong enough or able enough to go through so many livestock at one time so on the flip side you know it, it it's like, what is the other alternative uh, outside of just it being a, you know, a, a dog or as many people assumed? Yeah, I'm curious, Stephanie, where do you fall on that dog versus lizard debate? Like, which one do you feel is, if it is real, it kind of falls into? I think personally, I'm also kind of go back and forth because on one hand, there was this theory that the like reptilian like description was based off of the movie species from the mm -hmm. 90s and around that time when that film came out a lot of people were reporting seeing that description in a form of a chupacabra and then on the other hand though i would ideally think that if this creature was something of a of its i'm sorry some sort of like cryptid or animal that like preys on sucking the blood out of things <laughs> would look more like a mammal but mm -hmm. at the same time like what if the idea is that Chupacabra isn't really like from this earth and it's like an alien, then I would lean into the whole species yeah. <laughs> description. Yeah. I mean, it, we do have things on our earth that we are aware of that seem very alien. Like uh, the praying mantis is one of those for me. Yeah. And when I see it, I'm just like, what is this? And, and even um, I've seen a handful in person not a ton but even when you see them like face to face i can't help but like get down on their level and just be like who are you it's <laughs> <laughs> so creepy um, and they're also like another one of one kind of bug too because like they're they only look like themselves like you're not like yeah i saw this praying mantis the other day and it kind of looked like a butterfly no it's like i saw this praying mantis the other day and it kind of creeped me out as i was walking past yeah. uh, the brick wall that it was you know perched on and you know what's interesting about that is that part of me feels that the reason why there's so many descriptors of the chupacabra is because if you think about it like in the like mid 90s and onward that was like the boom of the internet and i think mm -hmm. that like if i read correctly there was this website um i think i have it up actually but it is from i think yale no, Princeton. Princeton had a whole dedicated page, the Chupacabra homepage. Really? And um, yes, and it's still up. So it's like princeton.edu slash Chupa, I think. I'll send it to you guys. But it's just fascinating how a university like that was able to fund a webpage at that time to give it 
accessibility to a lot of people to talk about it. So part of me does believe that there is this descriptor of like region, but then the, with the internet, it just kind of expanded furthermore. It's like this hype of like, what is it? And people talking about how it looks or what it looks like. That's just my theory though. I was going to say, I think that's a great point. Uh, Just kind of, because I remember growing up in the early 2000s and like people were talking about Bigfoot but people were equally talking talking about the Chupacabra just as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being in like places like Winn-Dixie and just, you know, scrolling past and you look over in the little Winn-Dixie uh, cashier line and, and you see like three or four tabloids all talking about a Chupacabra uh, every time you go. It never mattered. It never mattered when and almost more so than Bigfoot. So like with that, plus the combining with the Internet and uh, more documentary series about things like cryptids and more interest spreading up, I can see it kind of taking a life of its own in that sensation sensationalist uh, uh kind of way as well yeah and that that early internet just hit different you know it's um that that 90s early 2000s yeah. you would wait for the web page to load it wasn't instantaneous you know and the more pictures it had sometimes you had to wait for them to like chop down and you would i remember being at a friend's house and he had a computer in his room which dangerous if you're a parent but um (laughs) he had uh just given it was like a sleepover there were i want to say like six of us there we were teenagers and i started just looking up aliens and being at that impressionable age and having this machine that could just feed me all this you know rhetoric it it still has a lasting impression on me, not so much that I'm saying like aliens are out there, you know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but it made me afraid of them and that that fear kind of stuck with me. And so, you know, it, I can definitely see how if cryptids were your thing, especially during that point where you had so much instantaneous access that we weren't used to, hell yeah, you'd get sucked into, not to use vampire terms, but you get sucked into that world. So, I mean, Joshua, as you kind of, uh, you know, have delved into so many cryptids, so this is number six on our list. Why did you feel like this was an appropriate place to rank Chupacabra? Uh, I like number six, and it, it's kind of a, I'm not trying to be super deep, but honestly, it, it in terms of how much I believe in the Chupacabra, that's about where I fall to. So it's mm-hmm. like, I feel like it would be a good number six because like I'm on a six and believing that it could actually be an entity. It's not as strong as the others, but I think it's it's one of the more fascinating topics to talk about. Yeah. Um, and plus, like it, it kind of has a soft spot in my spot in my heart just from my childhood. Uh, it was one of the first cryptids I learned about, so um, it it falls in the middle. Um, uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much the reason. There's there's no real deep meaning besides that. It's just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I love that. <laughs> and Stephanie, I'm curious because you and I haven't really talked a lot about cryptids. Are there any cryptids that? you know, have a a corner of your mind that you think about or really enjoy is, you know, I know that you delve into a lot of the supernatural and this kind of combines with that world. Is there a topic in that realm that you really love to get into? Well, I I mean, I kind of agree with like Josh in terms of like how the Chupacabra was definitely one of the most scariest things I ever read on any media format as a child. And 
that really like ingrained deep in my soul. Like I was paranoid for weeks <laughs> about the Chupacabra because I actually saw it on Univision, which was like, you know, a Spanish network. I saw it that like, I remember it was me and my cousin. We were like really young. We were like, might've been like seven or something. And it was like breaking news, the Chupacabra. And it was like in Spanish. It, was, it felt like the news and her and I were alone because my uncle had stepped out um, briefly to go get something at the, the liquor store that was like across the street from like the apartment complex. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm paranoid. I'm paranoid. I'm paranoid. And it almost felt like the world stopped. And so I think because of that fear that ingrained deep in my soul, <laughs> it kind of set the tone like now in an, into adulthood of how I'm very empathic to the fear that people experience when it comes to cryptids. And mm. I'll even push it up a step further. I lived in Minnesota and I had friends that claimed to have seen Bigfoot. I don't know how I feel about cryptids, but I kind of couldn't help but feel that empathy of like, damn, I remember when I was reading about the Chupacabra and how much I was so scared for months and years. Um, so yeah, I, I think because of the Chupacabra, I think that it's it's interesting how the study of how people get really fear, like the fear gets instilled in people with media, mm -hmm. not just with word of mouth though, but like that and the media. Uh, the other thing too, though, is that it kind of gives me, I mean, I don't know if this kind of falls into that category, but it also gives me the fear of aliens. Like I'm really afraid of aliens like that. If I stare at a gray for that long, I will get paranoid. <laughs> I'm the same <laughs> um, way. <laughs> I, I don't like too. staring at them. I don't. <laughs> um, so that's probably why that's like my top up there. Like the my, my top three for sure with like Bigfoot and aliens and stuff. Yeah, there's, for me, it was E.T. Just like something. I know that E.T. was like the, the hero i guess the protagonist but it was just i was too young to watch it and it freaked me the it really freaked me out that something that could like hide in stuff animals and then what it really was was the the people who came in in those hazmat suits were just like really really it was too much and and i have never i've only watched it that one time as a kid i need to go back and just put myself through it if i can watch horror movies like vhs and crazy shit like that i can watch et um but yeah it, it, it stuff does stick with you it's just it's just the way it is and you know i started thinking when they started shooting down like the the balloons or whatever and all this crazy stuff we've had recently going on i mean we're from different generations I, i'm i'm assuming stephanie you're probably what like mid-20s early 30s Early 30s. Okay. And I know Joshua is, is the same and I'm late 30s. But we've all at this point kind of experienced the same thing where, you know, we've been through a pandemic. We we keep seeing like all these things yeah. that, that uh, most people in their lifespan don't see that amount of crazy stuff take place in the quick span that it does. You know, like you could be 80 and, and seeing, you know, uh, jfk and like different things but it didn't all happen in like five years and it feels like things are just ramping up so fast that i'm like yeah i could just wake up tomorrow and they'd be like hey here's boop bop from planet bebo uh nice to meet you know like who knows um but i don't, I don't really know where i was going with that other than the paranoia of aliens no is it, i mean to add yeah. to piggyback off that it's kind of like if you think of the 90s right uh, there's a lot of resurfacing of alien movies mm. again like species independence yeah. day uh so it's almost like this fear being instilled on you of like us versus whatever's out there right. and then you had x files and stuff -Files. like really popular yes. so 
I, yeah, I really believe that with that, plus the boom of the internet and making these pages of like the Chupacabra, the goat sucker homepage from Princeton and all these other websites, plus seeing the tabloids at the supermarket, it just made us more paranoid of like what is out there. I really feel like that was the age of like cryptids, to be honest with you. Like it kind of yeah. resurfaced, but yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And I'll agree with that too. Cause uh, I, I was, I was a, I would say a relatively young kid. Um, and I remember watching, I believe it was Fox, uh, Fox 20, uh, for all you, uh, people out here who remember normal channels, uh, <laughs> I, think, I believe it was Fox 20 at like 11, 11 or like 1130 at night. And sometimes like I couldn't sleep. So I'd forget that X-Files was coming on. And, uh, there were times where like, I'd wake up in the middle of X-Files and oh boy. So that's where my fear of aliens began. And it never really subsided. And then you have, like you said, Stephanie, Independence Day. And then you have Supernatural, like, coming off the back end of that. Um, yeah. So, you, and, and then, don't forget like, Unsolved Mysteries, too. That oh, was yes. one that really creeped me Oh, my me God. Out. Yeah, so my... I was a lifetime person. So Ooh. I'd watch Golden Girls and then Unsolved. And I'm like, well, how did it go from feeling happy to feeling scared now? Thank you. Talk about and a I... change of palette. Yeah. It's... <laughs> but it was really back to back, though. It was like it was scheduled. Like I knew the schedule on Lifetime. I'm like, OK, I'm going to go watch Golden Girls. And then I better brace myself with like the creepy stuff. So I'll make yeah. it my blanket. Yeah. Because <laughs> so. it wasn't even just like murder stuff which they had like i think of unsolved mysteries and and i i want to think that it's true crime but what i remember is like aliens and all yep. that kind of stuff yeah like yes. the pounding it with the aliens too man that was a that was a great time and like a work like the worst possible time because it's it's kind of one of the reasons why I'm, like i'm in this field but it's also one of the things that gives me like that healthy respect of the field too because aliens like I don't, I don't mess with aliens. This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Uh, but thinking about Chupacabra and, and that light, you know, that's also the thing that I find is some of the most unsettling portions of it, because 
I mean, if you do believe in aliens and, and go down that route, like that's a very real possibility. And on top of that, it's like, uh, why are you here and why are you doing that? So it also adds those extra questions that it's just a, a Chupacabra is very layered. Um, and it seems like so, um, uh, like just simplified on the surface. But as you like start digging deep, there's just so many questions surrounding it and so many um, different theories, uh, even towards like, uh, I'm curious what to see what you guys think about like the animal, you know, genetic testing uh, theories around chupacabra. So if I'm not mistaken, because I, I have heard of the theory that like in Area 51 and stuff, they were doing testing, but that's just like the alien theory. And that was like, I've only heard it once on, like, on a Reddit thread and that was it. So I'm not too familiar <laughs> with. Yeah. Yeah, Josh, okay, why don't uh... you enlighten us on that one? <laughs> well, long story short, there's like this running theory where some people believe that um, the chupacabra is actually an experiment, of course, uh, that, you know, escaped, of course, um, because the government was testing on different animals and like gene splicing and things like that, of course. Uh, and, and, you know, like with the, it's funny too, because in the time that I remember chupacabra being very uh, popular, uh, there were also all those, you know, um, scientific studies coming out about like, can we use stem cells and can we recreate like embryo embryos yeah. and uh lambs were being recreated and pigs were being create recreated and so um i think that that might have similar to another point that you made with like the hysteria um stephanie that like you you bring introduce these these thoughts and then they just kind of get projected onto something and i think the chupacabra is also kind of a product of that as well I, so I'm glad you brought up that time period. It's something I haven't thought about in a while. And I want to ask both of you, and Stephanie, I'll start with you. Do you think that there are humans out there that are clones? Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, I think that there are things being cloned. But as far as people, that one is an interesting one because it's like what's – I guess my question for people that believe that people are being cloned is what – purpose does it serve if that makes sense like for example the theory that britney spears has been cloned it does the time yeah like the timeline <laughs> doesn't make sense for that and it's just so bizarre like the whole doppelganger thing and being cloned i just for me it's like it has to be a special person for it for the world not to go into chaos for mm. them to be cloned like i, I can't i can't imagine that because like who has some time and money and resources for that when it comes to people if that makes sense but yeah. I could, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, though. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm on the fence. I, I've thought about it. And, of course, there are some wild uh, YouTube theories about, like, hey, look at this person. Look at their I, – I think uh, the one person that comes to mind, and this is going to be a deep cut for some people, um, is the, the whole, like, was Tila Tequila clone theory. Uh, and I remember <laughs> – yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, that's a deep cut for some of you. The but, one uh, thing, as soon as you say tequila, tequila, I think MySpace. I, that's just like the one word that goes straight to my head. For some reason, like that's the first person that I think of for like clone theories. Interesting. Um, and I remember it like being really popular on Twitter for a short period of time, and uh, I was, you know, I was a young and dumb teenager, just you know, like, oh wow, is she? And so then I was also on YouTube, being like, oh wow, this sounds, this sounds like a pretty good argument, but like that you. I, I've, I've found so many of those different um, uh, like theories. Like there's another one, like is Gucci Mane a clone? Like it's it's really funny to see so many different like celebrities get that um, like projection too, because they like 
went to jail or they lost weight mm-hmm. or they just went went away for a while or didn't have the same level of fame for a second. And then they come back and everybody's like, oh, they're a clone. Uh, <laughs> so that that kind of, uh, I guess, waters down the clone theory for me a little bit in terms of like humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely am leaning stronger to there being like clone animals because, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, you see like sometimes like I'll be in the in Walmart and then I'll look at like this chicken leg and I'm like, there's no way that a normal fully functioning chicken produced this gigantic leg. There's just not a, there's <laughs> just not, a, there's no way. And yeah. so um, I, I think about that in terms of like mass production and things of, of that nature, like feeding the masses and being able to keep up with demand as, you know, the United States in particular is super overpopulated. Uh, well, they do. I know that they do like, uh, I've heard it's called, but they do grow like chicken meat, like without the chicken, like they add mm. it on top as a layer. So there's been like deformed chickens and stuff like that because they, I forgot what they do, but it's like a process where they're basically growing meat on top of another ch- live chicken yeah. and then they cut it off and they sever it. Yeah. It's like really yeah. messed up. Those so, videos wow. are like really bummer. They, they make me yeah. almost not want to eat meat, oh. it, you know, that's yeah. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So it's pretty wild, but you know, going kind of like going a little bit back, I don't mean to go back too far, but going back on like the celebrity cloning, I think that I'm getting to a point where people find so many reasoning to dehumanize Mm. celebrities Mm. when they're going through the trouble issue. And I think I'm just on this whole Britney thing right now, but like we saw it with Britney Spears where like now instead of people actually acknowledging that she was literally under conservatorship and didn't have any like, couldn't make any decisions for herself and she was also put on like medications that she's not the same and she's not going to be the same and she's aged like stop saying she's a clone stop saying there's a doppelganger like so that's the one thing that I kind of like air that throws me off into looking into that theory at this point but with animals I I can see it because if they're already doing weird deformed chickens to bat for mass production yeah, that's kind of us. I just I remember it was Dolly the sheep, right? And that wasn't that the name, maybe. Um, but that anyway, sounds, that sounds you know, right. They cloned those sheep, and I remember immediately there was like a Geneva Convention type thing where it was like, okay, you can clone this animal, but everybody has to agree we're not cloning people. And for me, it's more of just like when mankind can, it usually does, not necessarily like we would even know about it. But I, I just wonder, like, have they cloned embryo? Like, have, have they done it to a certain point and then been like, okay, we just need to know we can do this and then pulled the plug? Because, you know, if you have enough money, you can get your dog or cat cloned right now. I mean, that's that's yeah. a service that you can just, <laughs> Josh, <laughs> looking forward, like, excuse me? Yeah, you can just um, oh. get your pet cloned. Um, so the technology is, I, I I don't know how much more complicated it is to do a person versus you know, like Fido, but, um, it seems like it is a possibility. So I hope it hasn't been done to people. Cause I think that's kind of messed up to bring yeah. somebody into the world, you know, that is kind of like a science experiment that feels really yeah. gross and unethical, but that kind of stuff, I, I just, and maybe it's because I grew up watching, you know, um, things like unsolved mysteries and X-Files that my brain is like, yeah, probably. But uh, didn't they have that know. at Ian Flux too? Like the whole thing. Yes. Like... <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Stephanie yeah. with the calls today. I have not <laughs> thought of that. Since... Ian Flux. I wow. that was also strange too. That's what got me into like philosophical like what ifs. Yeah. Anyway, but then they had the like outer limits too. But kind of going back to what you were saying about science experiment and cats, did you know 
I don't know if you know this, but on TikTok, there is somebody that has a whole account dedicated to their cloned cat and talks no. about the differences and similarities and so forth and why they cloned their cat. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to send it to you guys um, after yeah. this because I don't know the the name off the top of my head, but yeah, it's a whole dedicated account and I think she's on Instagram too. Wow. So. That's, that's kind of unsettling. I'm not going to lie. I like just thinking about like cloned pets and just like I have two cats now. And so thinking about like, you know, cloning them it, my my whole thing is centered around like what happens to like the soul like it it you know, that's uh that's a whole nother conversation for another day but like how do you how do you recreate that or, or like is it there like what well, i'm trying like what's going on behind like the eyeballs of you know the the cloned you know animals like i i my brain cannot wrap like i cannot wrap my brain around that at all well, well i get Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I can officially say Josh is, Josh was a sweet person. If that's his thoughts from that, that's, that's a very kind view of the world. It is. Um, no, yeah. Cause that's a good question because the, that person on TikTok, she said that her cat that is cloned is completely different hmm. than her previous cat. Like they're two completely different personality types. And I mean, yeah, I kind of feel like yeah, what what does happen behind those eyeballs? Uh, <laughs> like, part of me likes to believe that it might be like a different soul in there, but who knows? I mean, that's uh, that's a whole different. Like, we can talk about this for another yeah. three hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of getting back to the chupacabra a little bit, as as I'm sure we're yeah coming up on our hour. Um, one thing I, I was just curious if you guys had ever experienced animals in the wild like this. So maybe about a year ago or so, I was, uh, or maybe even two years, let's see, my kid's three, so I guess it could have been a year. Anyway, I had him in the stroller, we we're going through a neighborhood, and it was like kind of a rural area, but not super rural, but a coyote was in the middle of the road during the mid middle of the day, which is super unusual, you know, it may have had mange or rabies or something, and I had never been that close to one, I never like I, I never, never had the opportunity just to stare at a coyote as it stared at me. One thing I did not realize that they can be kind of small. That was um, news to me. But I will say that there is a certain fear when you're face to face with an animal that you know that is capable of doing harm to animals or people. And And even, you know, I'm strolling my kid and this little creature is staring at us and I'm like, what am I going to do? Am I just going to wrestle this thing to protect my child? But it just turned left and like went up a driveway. So it was fine. But I, I was curious if you guys have ever come face to face with an animal like that, because I can also see how that could create lore in and of itself, you know, that changes the way that people look at animals or potentially create cryptids in their mind. I think that like, when it came down to the whole thing with species, mm -hmm. I kind of think that, because here's the thing with going back to that part, portion of things, people were people that were skeptical that you book out, but I was saying, oh, it's because the movie came out, people are seeing this exact description. But at the same time, I can see people watching a film and then like getting scared and then thinking they're seeing that, but that doesn't like negate or explain the animals that are being drained from their blood, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do think that maybe perhaps as human beings, when we are afraid of things, we're not going to directly look at it for the most part. We're going to run. That's like exactly. our flight or flight. So I can only imagine that in that split second that you did see whatever you thought you saw, there might be some imagination, but it's tough to say because I, then I would also argue that if you're so scared, how could you forget? 
Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I, to, and to answer your question, uh, Noah, uh, on the terms of like animals and, and coming across those, uh, like I said, I, I grew up in Alabama. So like, you know, I grew up in the woods. So we, you see all types like bobcats and, uh, you know, coyotes and deer and, uh, sometimes the occasional bear and stuff like that. But, uh, I would say my scariest experience was actually with a domesticated animal, uh, of like of all time. So in the back of my parents' yard, uh, Goldfish. <laughs> I wish, <laughs> um, <laughs> in the back of my parents' yard is kind of long, um, and it's connected to some woods. And one of our neighbors got a bull mastiff that mm. he didn't tell anybody about. And if you've ever seen a bull mastiff, um, that is that's probably the scariest dog on the planet. Uh it looks like a small bear. Uh huge. It has, yeah. It it um so I I went back there just normal day. Um I was going down the driveway and I just hear this deep guttural growl. And I was like, oh, oh no. Oh no, I'm out here and there's no doors over here. And I look over to the tree line and I just see this big, huge black hulking figure. And so now I'm I'm running because I, I I'm like, okay, somebody's dog is out. But what I didn't realize is that it was bull mastiff. And so like, it started like coming towards me. And so at this point, like I had left my shadow behind me and I was already like in the door. And so I, I went around and saw the, the bull mastiff, like come out to the hot, come out like beside the house uh, from the window. And um, I remember thinking like, I didn't know this was a dog until like my fear like went away and I realized it was somebody's like pet. But until right. then, all I remembered was like the big black hulking figure in the woods. And I think that, you know, certain levels of fear can also create, you know, certain imagery. But to Stephanie, your point, like, there's also things that I've had in my life where I was very afraid and I will never forget those images as long as I live. Like, there's no, they did not change when the fear kind of started subsiding. So um, I think the chupacabra fits in that realm too. I think there's some people who are like, Oh shoot! I saw species, and I'm really scared now. Um, this is what I'm seeing, but I think there are other people who are like, "Oh shoot! I've never seen this movie, and I just saw something that I can't explain, yeah. and I need to talk to somebody about it." And that's the that's the fun thing about cryptids because you you can never really like diagnose like one track as to how somebody saw something, um, mm -hmm. and or where it come, came from. Yeah, and and I think it's just so hard to explain how somebody could have you know, a hundred plus animals in their livestock wake up the next morning and they all be killed. And then yeah. they all have, you know, three holes in them or three puncture wounds and be drained of blood and maybe organs too. That's just a very unusual thing. And I know that some scientists or researchers believe or journalists believe, well, it's, you know, they're, they're rabid dogs that are doing that, but I just have a hard time that they would be that precise in their yeah. killing. I just, yeah. I can't and suck the blood too. Like exactly. why? Yeah. Yeah. It's so bizarre that I, and I think that's why the chupacabra is so fun to think about because the rational side of my brain is saying, yeah, come on. Like, what are, what are we doing? And the other side is like, yeah, but there's evidence that there is something there. And then you've got people saying that they've seen the, you know, the creature that's doing this. So I, I don't know how you explain it, but uh, it's certainly a fun one to talk about. Well, to add on to that too, right? When I started to read about cattle mutilations in Colorado, people were describing aliens, right? And then if I push it a step further, we've all seen the different sketches of 
like what people perceive aliens they're not all gray some people look like reptilians and stuff mm-hmm. and i when i saw that and i found out about them like that reminds me of the chupacabra like the more reptilian description of that because like the ketamutilations mutilations are basically the cattles are being sucked dry from blood and sometimes organs are missing and there's this one famous horse in colorado that's now put up on display the skeletons of the horse um snippy so i sometimes i think that there's definitely something going on with that too i mean i, I know i keep connecting the aliens to the chupacabra yeah. but i'm just saying that there's just so many how it pops up and how people claim it as something else but it just makes me think of the chupacabra <laughs> yeah absolutely. i was actually going to go that route too because uh, the math just doesn't math like no no rabbit dog is going to go through that many uh that many uh animals and and on top of that like then i started thinking about kind of the, some of the shapeshifter legends and so you know how certain uh entities mimic other ones in order to to blend in with uh lore and and even going into like paranormal lore you know like thought forms like things take on the form of what you think and as it gives gets energy like it it shifts into that thing and i mean there are entities that quote unquote have been created from thought forms and and people putting energy to specific thoughts so uh going into like the the chupacabra lore like i i also thought the same thing when i heard like the reptile like version um because that's exactly what it makes me think of like if if uh i can't duplicate exactly what i've seen but i can get close enough to what i've seen in order or in order to mimic it to make everybody who sees me question uh what they've seen and so uh i i think that there's you know shape shifting shape shifters are a whole nother you know lore uh, it's a, it's a whole another thing of lore in itself but i think there's a there's a very real possibility you know if you are a believer of the chupacabra um that uh it could just be some type of shape-shifting alien uh accomplishing his goals in a very uh veiled way yeah well let's put everybody on the spot zero to ten zero meaning you don't believe in the chupacabra and ten meaning you do stephanie we'll start with you oh no <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, so I I want to err on the side of like a six only because I do believe there is something out there, but I'm not sure if it's a chupacabra. Like I feel like because there's so many, um, basically a lot of like descriptors and things of that nature that go into the chupacabra that makes me think of other entities in itself. Mm-hmm. Kind of like we were saying, Josh, like shape-shifting aliens. Like, I don't know. I keep swaying that it might be a type of alien though. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I uh, I'll agree with you on that one too. Um, I'm I'm definitely a six, um, and you know I could be a five, but I try to stay away from fives because I don't want to be a you know a coward uh, and sitting on the fence. Uh, so <laughs> I uh, I sit with a six because I do feel that similarly that if it is something, I don't believe it's an animal like Bigfoot could be. I, I believe it's something else. Uh, I think it's more intelligent uh, than we give it credit for um and it just it it doesn't come from here or it's something from a different um if you believe in this kind of thing other like different dimension like it's a different dimensional kind of thing uh very similar to like you know how people perceive uh fairies and, and things of that nature so i'm a strong six yeah well it's only appropriate that i say six too because then we, <laughs> now we have three sixes for episode six so uh but that is where i fall as well i mean i just something we know for a fact something did 
harm this livestock in in a large number. And that part of the equation is very confusing for me. And I've heard enough stories on this podcast that if I didn't hear the people themselves tell them, I probably wouldn't have believed them. So I think I would be hypocritical to say I believe those stories and that I'm going to say there's no chance that the chupacabra is real. So much like you, Joshua, I'm not going to be a coward and sit on the fence. I'm going to go uh, <laughs> six. So it looks like we have six, six, six there. Hopefully we don't summon the podcast devil, but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we could get together and do this episode. It was you know, and and then Joshua, I'll let you, I don't want to steal your thunder. I'll let you wrap up. But Stephanie, it, uh, it was such a joy to get to see you again. And I hope that we can get back, get you back on soon. I'm sure that you might have some cool things to promote. And speaking of which, is there anything that you want to promote now? Oh my goodness. Um, what is that? <laughs> um, well, so I, um, like you said, I think that I've been working, well, let me backtrack. I'm working on uh, a couple of things on the CW. So I am one of the co-hosts for season three of Mysteries Decoded. So that would, that should be coming out in the summer. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, that's, I can't believe that that happened. It's so cool. So cool. And yeah, yeah so we, we talk about a couple different things on the show. They talk about reincarnation, uh, paranormal stuff and all kinds of different weird phenomenon. So if you like that stuff, check out the show, check out season three. <laughs> um, hopefully I'll be back on for that soon. And um, yeah, I think that's so far what I have to promote them looking forward to. Well, thank you everybody for joining. Uh, thank you, Stephanie, for joining us today. Uh, if you haven't, make sure you go watch CW Spirit Squad and season three of Mysteries Decoded or Mystery Decoded. Uh, Mysteries Decoded. You- Yep. Yep. And if, and if that confuses you, you can find it on Google. Um, but, uh, (laughs) thank you for joining me. Um, Stephanie, where can everybody find you? Um, yeah, so you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, um, TikTok, and for almost all of them, except for YouTube, it's Stephanie underscore strange. So Stephanie is S T E F F A N Y underscore strange. But if you just search like Stephanie strange on on YouTube, you'll find that on, you'll find me on there as well. Well, everybody, make sure you're you're tuned in and watching and ingesting that content and sharing and liking and all that good stuff. And uh, make sure you're sharing Real Hauntings podcast with all your friends and family. Uh, make sure you're telling your, your news agencies, uh, your cats, your dogs, your fish, all of them, uh, your aunts and uncles, too. Uh, we queue really high with fish. I just wanted to throw that in. <laughs> <laughs> you can find Noah at Real Haunting Podcast if you have ideas, if you have anything you want to send his way, find him that way. Uh, you can find me everywhere at Joshua Darren, D A I R E N. And uh, yeah, until next time, uh, we're going to have a pretty fun episode uh, for next week as well. Uh, I normally don't do this, but we're going to be talking about the death worm. So uh, tune in. That's number five. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, so until then, see you later. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. 
on a remote island in Lake Superior. A team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.